I, I look pretty good for a hundred, don't I? Drew, thank you for uh, bringing that up. Uh, and Drew Sellers will no longer be doing our children's times, as you know, filling in for Jane. It's a good reminder of you know, birthdays are a good reminder of the benchmarks of life, and the benchmarks of life, our birthdays included, are a good reminder of life itself. Today, we partner with thousands, hundreds of other churches to recognize today as the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, meaning we acknowledge that life is created by God. God decides life from the womb through all of life until we pass away, life belongs to him from conception and birth teenagers young adults middle-aged or older folks older than me life belongs to God and we praise him and thank him for life and we are called by the word of God to protect life especially innocent life those who can't protect themselves so we stand in the gap for those who can't protect themselves or speak for themselves and acknowledge life belongs to God and is precious to him the term Sanctity of human life means that life is sacred. The term sanctity means sacred. Life itself, human life, is sacred, created by God. And days like today, as we we, uh, consider sanctity of human life, as we've been reminded about birthdays, as also a reminder of uh, what childhood is all about and the very nature of it. Do you know that families and raising children is a reflection of the way we grow in Christ and what happens to us when we're born again in Christ and then we mature and then we grow. See, if you have children, you know that when it starts out, they're relatively helpless. You have to take care of them, do everything for them. And then as their life goes on, your objective is to release them to take care of themselves. That's called maturity. As the saying goes, a parent's job is to work themselves out of a job. Maturity is learning to take care of ourselves, which also means learning to take care of our own growth. It means taking responsibility for who we are as well. It means acknowledging when we make mistakes and seeking to do better. Maturing and growing is part of life. And that's why we call it raising children, because we we invest in them and we raise them. And as the child matures, the child becomes a partner with that parent in their own maturity making their own decisions, learning more and more about life and, and taking responsibility for decisions that are, that are bad decisions and celebrating good decisions. All of that's part of raising a child and teaching that child maturity and helping them become mature people. In a very similar way, when we are born again in Christ, uh, we're not intended to stay there. Our, our salvation uh, is not Uh, intended to be stagnant and stay there being saved is an event but it's also a process and that and we grow in Christ The, the Bible teaches us we are intended to grow to learn more about Christ to mature in our faith and to be like Jesus that's God's end goal is that Christians be like Jesus in how we act how we behave how we think everything we do in our relationships how we view the world all these things that we would be like Jesus. Last week, we began a short series, and we're talking about fortifying the foundations of our faith. And last week, we considered uh, our salvation. Celebrating our salvation is the first part of fortifying our faith because it's where our faith begins. We celebrate what God has done for us in Christ. 
And this morning, we're going to part, talk about partnering with God in our sanctification. Now, the term sanctification refers to our growth in Christ. On the front end, keep in mind that the foundation of your faith is your growth in Christ. And this morning, I want to challenge us all to strengthen that growth in Christ, to take, a, uh, take seriously and take responsibility for our partnership with God in growing in Christ. Or as the Bible uses the term, our sanctification, becoming more like Christ himself. This is a key to our faith. And if we're going to fortify our faith and be strong in our faith, it's important that we partner with God in our sanctification. Now, what does the Bible mean by sanctification? Well, much like the sanctity of human life, the term sanctification comes from the same terminology, and it means literally to be made holy or being made holy. Your sanctification is you becoming holy. It can also mean being set apart. That is to say, set apart for God and set apart from the world. As you grow in Christ... There should be distinctions in your behavior, in your attitudes, in your mindset. You should be different than you were before you came to Christ. And it should be evident in your lifestyle, in your thought uh, processes, in your choices, in your family life. It should show. Because you are maturing and you're growing in Christ and becoming more like Christ. That is, you are participating with God in your sanctification. Now the Bible also teaches... The, the idea of being sanctified is part of the event of being saved and part of the process of being saved. So God begins to sanctify you when you are saved. And you'll find in the Bible, for example, the book of Hebrews praises God for sanctifying us in our, in our salvation. But then the Bible also teaches that we partner with God to become more like Christ, to grow in our faith. It's a process that begins the moment you come to Christ and the moment you are saved. It's that process that begins, and God calls it, in the Word of God, your sanctification, becoming more like Christ. Now, there's a principle I want to state right here, and I want you to tuck it away a little bit this morning, okay? Just keep it in mind, jot it down, tuck it away. It's very simply this. Uh, the Bible teaches, as we talk about partnering in your sanctification, your growth in Christ, the Bible teaches that the more you are like Christ, the less you are like the world. And the more you are like the world, the less you are like Christ. The more you are like Christ and becoming like Christ in your thoughts, your lifestyle, your behavior, your choices, your decisions, your attitudes, the more you are like Christ, the less you are going to be like the world, those who do not know Christ, in your attitudes, your actions, your behaviors, your decisions, your choices, your values. You get the idea. So it shows in your life that as you are growing and becoming more like Christ, you're becoming less and less like those who do not know Christ. It doesn't mean you become perfect on this end, nor does it mean you become unloving or bitter or, or unkind on this side. What it does mean is there is a difference. There's a distinction. As you grow in Christ and become more like him, you become less and less like the world. And this is one of the reasons Jesus said, when you are following Christ, you're becoming like Christ, Jesus himself said, they will hate you. They will hate you and they will even persecute you. The Apostle Paul would write later, anyone who lives a godly life will be persecuted. 
Because that distinction is unnerving for those in the world. Those who are not like Christ see you becoming more like Christ and they see those differences and distinctions and your values have changed and you stand firm in those values. They don't like it. And as I said last week, we can anticipate seeing more and more and more of that antagonism grow in our culture. Antagonism against Christians and Christianity. Again, another reason it's so important to fortify your faith and partner with God, growing in Christ in your sanctification. The Bible uses that term sanctification over and over and over, especially in the New Testament, talking about Christians. The Bible uses it frequently, and the Apostle Paul loves this term and uses it frequently. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the fourth chapter of Thessalonians opens with Paul saying, this is God's will for you, your sanctification. So if you ever wonder what God's will is for you, there you go. And occasionally I hear Christians say, well, I wonder what God's will is for me. That's not the first question you should ask. The first question you should ask is, what's God's will for all Christians? And that one verse tells us right up front, your sanctification, you being more like Christ. That's what God wants. And in case, it needs, in case you need a, an example, in that same verse, the Apostle Paul goes on and says, for example, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Because if you're participating in sexual immorality, and the Bible defines sexual immorality as any sexual activity outside of marriage. Just that simple. If you're participating in sexual immorality, then you're not becoming more and more like Christ. So to become more and more like Christ, Paul says, turn away from that. And you can do that. You can make that choice. And becoming more like Christ and partnering with God in that sanctification is a process that includes our decisions and our choices. And the choice starts with, yes, I will partner with God to be more like Christ. I will partner with God as he seeks to change me, to grow me, to raise me, to be more like Jesus Christ. I know I've been saved. If you know you've been saved, you can affirm that. I know I've been saved. We celebrated that last week, but it doesn't stop there. That's the beginning, the beginning of your partnership with God to make you more like Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to go into the Bible and look at several scripture passages. So straighten up. If you have a, a hard copy Bible with you, straighten out your fingers, get those flexed, ready to turn some pages. Uh, the scriptures are in your, your worship guide, so if you'd rather just have those as a reference, that's fine. If you're using your device, get that scrolling thumb ready because you're going to be working through your device on some scriptures. But again, they'll be on the screen for you, and they're right there in your worship guide. You can jot down some notes and look these up later. The Bible teaches that your sanctification, your growth, becoming more like Christ, is a partnership between you and God. You cannot do God's part, and God will always do his part. He's always doing his part, and he will always do his part. And you can't do that. And God won't do your part. He wants you to partner with him. He wants you to decide to commit to partner with him to become more like Christ. So this morning, we're going to look at it exactly that way. We're going to look at four examples of God's part and, four, and five actions that are your part and my part. So let's start there. Four examples of God's part. What God does in your sanctification and in my sanctification and what God 
promises that he will do when we partner with him. It all starts with God. As soon as you are saved, it starts with God. As soon as you trust Christ as your Savior, that's the beginning. And that's when you decide to partner with God to grow in Christ and to be more like Christ, to partner with him in your sanctification. Now, the Bible also teaches that we're saved by grace. We grow in grace. We're loved because of God's grace. But it doesn't mean we don't have anything to do to grow and and to be more like Christ. So here's God's part in your sanctification. Four things that God does. First, we see God's promise. God's promise is a promise of his part. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it out on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God's promise is that when he calls you to salvation and you surrender to Christ, his promise is that he will always be working in your life. He'll always be working in your life. He has an objective, he has a goal, he has a purpose, and he'll always be working in your life until, as Paul puts it, the day of Christ Jesus. That's Bible vernacular for judgment day. For the second coming of Christ, for the resurrection of the saints, for all people to stand in judgment, that's the day of the Lord, the day of Christ. But God doesn't abandon you to to make it your project, your problem to get there or or, or make yourself more like Christ. God makes a promise, and that promise is he will always be working in your life to, to draw this to completion. He will always do his part for your sanctification. He never abandons you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. That's his promise. And Paul, when Paul says, I'm sure of this, it kind of sounds like he's glad for it too, doesn't it? I'm sure of this. I I anchor myself in this, that God started this work in me, my salvation, and he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So the first step in God's part is, is his promise. Secondly, that promise is anchored in God's person. God's person. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, First, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Uh, this is Paul praying for the, the, the Christians in this place called Thessalonica. And he says, now, now first and foremost, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. You know, when God comes into your life, He brings his character with him. And a character trait of Almighty God is peace. It's peace. First of all, with God. You know you're in right relationship with him. You don't have to worry about that anymore. And then it's peace of mind as you live in this life when when God is in your life. So Paul says he will sanctify you himself. He's active in your life himself. And and Paul says, "I, I don't have any concerns about that because I know that just as he's made that promise he comes in person to sanctify me. The idea that he would sanctify us completely uh, translates a word that means toward an end result. God has an end in mind. Well Paul already told us what that was. It was the day of Christ Jesus. God has an end in mind. It's that you be more like Christ and he will sanctify you completely through and through. And that brings us to the third thing. God's promise. And his person leads us to God's purpose. Still in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And, Paul says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, once, one day Jesus is going to come back, Paul says. And when he does, I want you to be found blameless before God. Holy before God. 
sanctified before God. And may God find you that way. Another way to look at it is, think about this this week. Whatever you're doing, would you be doing that? Would you want to be doing that when Jesus comes back? That kind of puts a different light on things, doesn't it? But Paul says, God is at work to sanctify you completely. And he says in body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. You know, the Bible never actually spells out. It says God created us. God created us male and female. God created us in his image. It doesn't spell everything out after that about the way we were created, but it does give us insights into it, and here's an example. Body, soul, and spirit. See, the Bible teaches that we all have the human spirit, and the human spirit is the way we communicate with God's spirit. It's when You're sitting here right now in this room thinking to yourself, Right? You can't help it. You're thinking to yourself. I don't want to know what you're thinking, but you're thinking to yourself. That's your spirit. Yeah. The Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that every man, every man and woman, child, a human spirit is in us, and God's spirit communicates with our spirit. It also means your spirit talks to you, too. We call that talking to ourselves in our heads, mind, spirit. But we also have a soul. More accurately, we are a soul. We have a spirit, a human spirit. We are a soul. Your soul is you. It's the breath of life in you. It's your personality. It's what makes you, you. And the miracle of God creating humanity is that all human beings have a soul and in some way we're alike and yet we're all different. All human beings have a soul. It makes you, you. And you're in a body. That's pretty obvious, right? So you have a spirit, you are a soul, and you're in a body. And Paul says, and the Bible affirms, that God created you whole that way, and God intends to finish you whole that way. The resurrection is intended as the completion of, of that whole work of salvation and sanctification when God raises you into a new body, imperishable body, the Bible calls it, incorruptible body, the Bible calls it. Right now, your loved ones in heaven, their souls recognize one another. They're still identifiable, knowledgeable, well-known. They see one another, they see their friends, they know who they are. And right now in heaven, Every soul that's saved that is in heaven because of Christ is also awaiting the resurrection, the completion of our sanctification and our salvation. And Paul prays when that day comes, God will find you blameless in Christ. That's your sanctification. And God's part is to help you get there. That's his purpose. Then last, the Bible teaches in God's part for our sanctification God has his provision. God has his provision. As an example, John chapter 17 and verse 17, the Lord Jesus himself praying for disciples, those in his day and us today. He prayed for all disciples and he says in John 17 verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. He asked the Father, your word is truth. The word of God is the truth of God that sanctifies us when we embed that into our heart, our mind, and our soul. The Word of God, the Bible, is powerful. 
If you wonder that you're not becoming more like Christ, I would ask you this. How much time do you spend digesting the Word of God? He has provided that to connect you with Him for your sanctification. And the Holy Spirit of God uses the Word of God to speak to you, to change you, and as Jesus says, to sanctify you, to make you holy, to set you apart from the world. Show me a Christian whose attitudes, actions, and values are still like the world's, and I'll show you a Christian that is not spending a lot of time in God's sanctifying truth and the Word of God. But show me a Christian that's becoming less like the world and more like Christ, and I'll show you a Christian that's spending some serious time in the Word of God, digesting, embedding the Word of God into their lives, the truth into their lives. So God's part includes those components. And that's God's part. That's what God has done. He's established that. He works through that. When you partner with Him, you participate with Him in those four things that, that He has done. Now let's talk about your part in your sanctification. Knowing that God is fully invested in us being more like Christ. That's what He wants us to do. The Bible teaches there are at least five actions we can take. And I want to underscore this. You're not on your own doing this. The Holy Spirit of God participates with you in these five actions. That's what he does. He's the one working out your salvation. He's the one uh, assuring you of it, helping you, uh, uh, convicting you when you sin. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. So five actions you can take. The first one is to yield to his spirit. The Holy Spirit's at work, yield to him. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. We said it earlier in the service. Submit to God, yield to God. That's an act of worship. If you yield to God, you hear from God. God is at work in your life. If you refuse to yield to him, you say, no, I'm going to go on my own way. That stunts your sanctification. That stunts your growth in Christ. You're not, you're not able to connect with him. But when you yield to him, submit to him day by day, he can do that work in your life. And this is an ongoing action. It's not something you do once. It's something you do every day, all the time, yielding to him. So then number two, digest and apply the truth. Just like Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, the truth of God sanctifies us. That means we are to digest and apply the truth. Same chapter, same place, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect, well, here it is again, will of God. Show me a Christian struggling with what is God's will. And I will show you a Christian that still thinks like the world. But show me a Christian that's becoming more and more like Christ. And I'll show you a Christian that's understanding God's will because they are in God's word. Notice Paul said we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Uh, it gives us our word metamorphosis. We become changed into the image of Christ when God changes our hearts and minds to be more like Christ. And the Word of God is that sanctifying agent that does that. So the first action is to yield to His Spirit, to say yes to God. You don't say, my will be done. You say, God's will be done. The second action is to digest and apply God's Word and do it every day, 
day by day. The third action is choose to be holy. And you'll notice all of these are choices that you make. But you choose to be holy. Confessing sins when God shows you those sins. But you choose to be holy. To be like Christ. Uh, we'll jump to Peter for this. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15. The Apostle Peter would write, But as the one who called you is holy, that is Christ, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. The Bible says, God says, Here's your reason to be holy, to be set apart, to be sanctified. It's because God is holy. And he wants you to be like him. He wants you to be like Christ. And you make a choice. Every time you're faced with temptation, you make a choice. Every time. Every time you're faced with temptation, you make a choice. The temptation is not the sin. The choice is whether or not you will side with Christ, you will choose to be holy, or the sin is that you choose not to be. In that moment, you choose to sin. And what happens then? Does God toss you aside? No, no. Remember, he's working toward the completion of your sanctification. He doesn't abandon you. So the Bible says he shows you that sin, you confess that sin, and he is faithful and righteous to forgive you. But every day and every moment, we choose to be holy. And sometimes that means paying attention to what we digest into our lives. Are we digesting the Word of God? Are we digesting what the world says about us, about decisions, about behaviors? Choose to be holy. You can actually do that. The command that we be holy like He is holy means we have to choose to do that. And then fourth... Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. The Bible's vernacular for our conduct and our lifestyle is how we walk. Uh, that is, the way you walk through this life, the Bible says, is your conduct. It's your lifestyle that you choose. And we choose that lifestyle. So the Bible teaches we should choose to walk in the Spirit. That is, let the Holy Spirit of God lead us in our sanctification, lead us in our growth in Christ, lead us in our decisions let the Holy Spirit be in us, lead us, help us make these decisions. Back to the Apostle Paul, Galatians 5 and verse 16. And listen to this contrast. Paul says, if you do one thing, you don't do the other thing. But you can't do both. Galatians 5 verse 16, I say then, walk by the Spirit. And you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. If you want to choose to be holy, you walk by the Spirit. And it will show in your life. You become less like the world, that is, carrying out desires of the flesh, and more like Christ, carrying out the desires of God and the will of God. Your sanctification grows when you choose every day to say, what, what is the Holy Spirit showing me in His Word? How can the Holy Spirit help me make these decisions? You walk in the Spirit. You choose a lifestyle that God wants you to live. And then fifth, here's the fifth action. Choose to live by faith. Live by faith, not by sight. Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. We walk by faith. There's that word again. We conduct our lives by faith, not by sight. We don't look at our circumstances and let those circumstances dictate what we believe about God. We don't look at our circumstances and let those circumstances dictate what we believe about ourselves. We don't listen to what the world says about Jesus or the world says about us. And let that dictate what we believe. We walk by faith. Our attitude going forward is that we will trust God always for the future and what we cannot see. And in in this time, right now, we walk in the Spirit. We listen to Him. We digest the Word of God. We grow in our sanctification. And then we look forward to what God's going to do. Down the road, we trust God 
for our decisions. We trust God for history. We trust God for what comes next. We trust God for what we cannot see. We walk by faith, live by faith, not by sight. That is part of God changing you over into the image of Christ. To be more like Jesus Christ is to trust God day by day for the future, for what you cannot see. Those are five actions that you can actually take to grow in Christ. And that's part of your partnership in your sanctification. Maybe you never thought about it that way. Maybe you viewed your Christian life knowing that you're saved. Yes, I'm saved in Christ. I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll try to make good decisions. I'll try to do the right thing. All those are good things. But do you realize that God wants you to be more like Jesus Christ and his goal, his objective, his purpose, and his provision all point to that for you to be more like Christ day by day? And you say, well, Pastor Bob, I don't really know how to do that. Well, here's the thing. You know where you start? Remember, digest the word of God. Get in the scriptures. Let God start speaking to your heart. Let the Holy Spirit start changing you from the inside out. You got a hard decision? Take it to the scripture. Take it to prayer. You got a trouble, a problem in your life? Take it to scripture. Take it to prayer. Partner with God. Trust him for what you cannot see. Believe that he is speaking to you through his word and watch God work in your life. So my question and my challenge for all of us, are we partnering with God to be more like Christ for our sanctification? Are you doing that? Are you, just, are you being passive in it? You're not really you're just kind of saying, hey, I'm a Christian, that, that, and I'm good with that, and I'll just go to church and leave everything else to chance. God wants so much more for you. He wants so much more for you. He wants you to know him deeply and personally. He calls you out to that intimate relationship, and he wants to change you into the image of Christ, to be more like Jesus Christ. When I was uh, in college, as a communications major toward the end of that process of education, we were required to take an advertising class. And in that advertising class, the, the capstone was a project. Uh, we, had to, we had to design, create um, a product, and then an advertising campaign for that product. That sounds fine. The thing was, the professor put us in groups, people that he assigned to be together. We didn't get to choose our groups, people he assigned to be together for this project. If you're a type A personality like me, you understand when I say we cringe at that. Because if it's three, four, five people in that group, there's always that one that does nothing. And as soon as you see who's in your group, you go, oh, wow. We're going to be carrying him again. Or she's not going to participate. And The thing is, you're going to do your part still. Right? You're going to do your part because you want the grade. You, you want a good grade. And, and the thing that really gets you is the, the, the person that does nothing gets the same grade. We did. We created a product. It was called Cud Cola. Soda made from kudzu. For reasons I'll never understand, it didn't catch on. Not in the stores even to this day. But boy, it sounds tasty, doesn't it? Cola made from kudzu. Do 
you're that person in the group, if you're that person in the group that joins the group when there's a project to participate in, but you do nothing, you know what we call that in church life? We call that a churchgoer. Yeah. The person that knows they're part of the group is the person that they know they've been saved. They know that the penalty for their salvation has already been paid in Christ. They know that they didn't get in on their merit, that Christ himself paid for their salvation. In other words, he's already given them the grade. So they think, well, why should I do anything? I'll just show up for the group, but I don't need to participate in the project. The problem with that is they also don't participate in the benefits of the project. The outcome is not just doing a project and getting a grade. The outcome is growing. It's learning. It's remembering. Forty years later that it was called Cud Cola. It's knowing that you were part of it. So ask yourself this morning, are you that churchgoer? Oh yeah, I'm part of the group but I'm not going to do anything because I've already got my grade sealed. Are you that churchgoer? Or would you say this morning, I, I want to participate with God in my own growth, my own sanctification. I want to be more like Christ. So God, show me in my life if there's anything in my life you want to cleanse out and God, forgive me if I have been passive in this, if I've been just a churchgoer, God, when you meant so much more for me. God, forgive me for that. If you would say to God this morning, I want to be holy as you are holy. I want to be like Christ. And there's so much in my life, God, you need to change. If you would say that to him today, he'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. And you can start that partnership all over again today. To walk in the spirit, to be more like Christ day by day. Less like the world and more like Christ. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment. Nobody looking around. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Now I want to ask you this simple question this morning. Would you say today to God, would you say today, I confess I have not been doing my part. I've not been investing myself, God, in our partnership for my growth to be more like Christ. But today I want to turn that around, God. I want to commit to that partnership today to grow in Christ, to digest your word, to walk in the spirit, to choose to be holy. God, I want that to be me. I want to pray for you today. If you would, just lift your hand up where you are. Nobody looking around. Just lift your hand up. Good. Good. Thank you. Hands down. Maybe you would say today, God, I, I, I'm doing my best walking with you, Father, but there's problems, struggles I have in my life, and I want to give those to you today. God, I these needs, these prayers, these burdens that I carry. Father, I want to give those to you today. You know what they are. God knows what they are. I want to pray for you. Will you lift your hand up where you are? Good. Good. Heavenly Father, you see these hands in our midst today. And first and foremost, Father, I pray for that one, two, three, or more here in house and at home that would say, God, I, I want to start over today. Please forgive me, Father. I want to start over today to partner with you in my own sanctification, to grow in Christ and to be more like Jesus day by day. And God, you've seen the hands of those that would say, I've got burdens, I've got struggles. 
on my heart, on my mind, God. So for them, I pray as well, we, we give these burdens and struggles to you. Father, we praise you and thank you that you are always faithful to us no matter what. We confess our sins, God. We give you our burdens and cares and worries. And I pray, Father, you would draw us to you, draw us to your word. Teach us more and more about what it means to walk with Christ day by day. That we would partner with you in our sanctification, in our growth in Christ. And I pray for that for everyone here in-house and at home. But also pray, God, for that one that's never trusted Christ as their Savior. Whether they're here in the room or they're at home, they haven't started that process yet. Instead, Father, for them I pray today that they would trust Christ as their Savior. Confess their sin to you, believing that Christ died on the cross and he's alive today. They would put their faith and trust in Christ today. So God, with them, I pray this prayer. And if there's one in this room or at home, Father, I would pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I know I can't save myself. I've tried and I can't do it. Just not good enough. But I know you died on the cross for me and you're alive today. So Jesus, I repent of my sin. Turn away from the old life, dead in trespasses and sins, and instead turn to follow Christ today. Come into my heart, into my life. Cleanse me of sin. And by faith, I put my life down for you and trust Christ as my Savior. So, Father, for all of us, God, we have burdens and cares on our hearts and a lot to pray about, a lot going on in our lives, and I lift that up to you today. And for those who made decisions this morning or they're about to, Father, I pray you move in our midst in a mighty way. Urge us in our hearts, God, to step out for Christ in faith. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray.